LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel M. Hello, hello. And a guy... You, you can't say special guest. No, He's special to me. He is. No, but you can't do the generic because you guys go back quite a bit. We do go back quite a bit. I think probably maybe 2008. Hmm. Earlier. Um, No, here's the deal. So my wife, and this is Michael Kelsey, who you're listening to, who is uh, one of the campus pastors at McLean Bible Church. Um, So we go way back. He can tell you what... what, different pain points like some of the stories I share about pipeline he actually lives through yeah and knows the names behind some of those stories and um, also would be able to tell you hey this this section was really fraught with pain and this was easy and we didn't even realize this was going on but now that we look back we can see that so there's all that that uh, that comes into play but the interesting thing about uh, Mike is we actually met because my wife, was our volunteers for Luis Palau uh, Festival in D.C., like mm-hmm. 2005? 2005, six? yeah. Yeah, 2005. And so um, so I met Mike, and there's another guy named Rich Hurst who will fight me and say, no, he hired Mike. He's the real person <laughs> you know, discovered Mike or whatever. But the reality is it was his wife. So... <laughs> Met, uh, well, we met and whatever. Then, uh, Ashley, his wife, actually came on staff first. Yeah. And from a pipeline perspective, uh, we very quickly realized that uh, she was a great uh, administrative person, but what an amazing uh, worship leader talent she has. And so she shifted over into that role. Meanwhile, um, Mike ended up coming on, and, you know, they're one of the reasons why we broke rules and. <laughs> ended up hiring couples and all kinds of stuff. There was two or three couples there that we ended up doing that with. But long story short, I've known Mike for a very long time. Yeah, man. And if you've heard me reference a person who uh, launched a campus in 60 days, <laughs> that's Mike. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I think the was 2008. <laughs> was that 2008? Yeah, that was 08. All right. Wait, so, wait, 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 wait. That was 60 days from being asked to uh, do the yeah. campus to launching? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It and was, And he's still there. He's still there, man. <laughs> and he's killing it. So we went from, I think it was Memorial Day to Labor Day, basically. At least that's what yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. 60 days to launch, and we launched the Memorial Day weekend. A brilliant idea. And is that the, <laughs> and is that the Montgomery County location? No, that was another campus that we launched in Silver Spring, Maryland. Yeah. Okay. That was in a performing arts theater, yeah. which you, everybody knows I love performing arts theaters. Uh, that was a person who told me no multiple times before they finally told me yes. And then they ultimately told Mike no uh, after he's been there for a while. <laughs> um, that, yeah, yeah. So it was, that was meant to be our first attempt at a, um, what we called a micro campus, which turned out to be more than 200 people and stayed in overflow pretty much the whole time it was there. Um, but just that was a really, uh, it was fun for me, Mike. I don't know if it was fun for you, but. Yeah, it was, I mean, I was young and dumb, so I didn't know <laughs> that 60 day notice wasn't a good idea or Memorial Day weekend. So no, it was great, man. Was awesome. It was great uh, getting to get out there and build a team and uh, just reach people and uh, 
Yeah, I mean, that area too was was just so ripe for ministry, super diverse area, young area. Um, so it was just a lot of fun kind of getting to do that. That's good. That's good. Well, Mike is a, so that's, that's the church is called, I was going to say frontline. No, no, no. no. Mc, <laughs> yeah. McLean. McLean. Like, no. So <laughs> MoCo would yeah, be Moco. his campus. So McLean. Yeah. He's at the Montgomery County location. He's also, he's a campus pastor there. And uh, with his experience in campus pastoring, we actually brought him into our studio to film some sessions for our newchurches.com essential campus pastoring course. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So that's newchurches.com slash campus pastor, but he's also a teaching pastor there. So uh, before we get into the questions, Mike, tell us how, is it preaching with David? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like being asked to launch a campus in 60 days. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, it's been great, man. Honestly. Um, one thing I can say about Platt is, uh, and we call him Platt because our two, the two guys that kind of are leading the church right now, both of them are named David. Um, so uh, mm. Platt is, he's the real deal, man. Um, uh, which is super fun because he's, um, he just has a lot of integrity and kind of what you see is what you get. Uh, it's also funny because you know how intense he sounds in his sermons when he's like uh, yeah. preaching about unreached people groups and urgent physical and spiritual need and everything is for the glory of Christ among all nations. Like that is legit how he is in general. Um, so yeah. um, he's a fun guy, man, but he's he's really dead serious uh, um, about just this mission to take the gospel. So yeah, preaching with him is great, man, because I get to, it's like playing with LeBron James. You know what I mean? Uh, I get mm. to work with him and, and shape sermon series and, and get up and preach uh, alongside him. It's also super terrifying <laughs> um, because you feel that pressure to kind of preach to the level of David Platt, but God's been good and just teaching me just to be me and to be humble and realize I'm not David Platt. And, uh, so I just kind of get behind man and just support uh, as best I can. It's awesome. So you brought this up, not me, Daniel, <laughs> but so I was there, uh, pre, pre David, uh, of course, I I actually served with David uh, twenty during your average career in fitness modeling days. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Why do you continue to bring this up? Because it's incredible. It's so good. We, we need an episode about that, and I'm going to get fired. <laughs> All right, here's the deal. Uh, if we go back in time, uh, Lon Solomon was uh, the senior pastor of McLean, took it over in the 80s, and, you know, we there was a basically a leadership moment uh, in the 90s, early 90s, where he basically said, hey, this is where our church is going. If you don't like it, leave. And they said, no, you're leaving. He said, if I don't get an 80% vote, I'm, I'll leave. But if I do get an 80% vote, you might vocal minority, y'all are going to leave. Um, because it was, you know, a group of people that wanted the church to go in one direction, all that. So uh, that was a pivotal moment in the the life of the, the, the church. Um, now, when I went to McLean in 2004, I think Lon was in a sermon series, and it was on the life of Paul, part 192. <laughs> Um, I'm not joking. So that style of preaching, like 
I'll meet some people around Nashville that'll say they preach expository and I, you know, usually laugh at them because I'm like, uh, you know, you like, you, you want to see expository? Go listen to this series on Genesis in <laughs> two years when you're done. I don't think you ever finished it, actually. Um, he may not have. Uh, so, so the interesting thing there is, I mean, that was like two series in the life of, I mean, my time at that church, pretty was, much a couple of series. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, and I was there for a while. Um, the interesting thing there was Lon's style of preaching was a philosophical argument in my opinion. Um, and I was a philosophy undergrad and I loved it because it was like, he's going to set up a hypothesis in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to lay it all out for you. There's not going to be, you know, stories or poems or anything that unless it's uh, an archaeological report or out of U.S. News and World Report or, you know, some it was very D.C. centric, but it was set up as a almost a logical argument and in a very expository manner. Mike and Mike's dad is like the patriarch of churches in dc seriously oh yeah he's diesel and his mom's diesel too like he comes from this lineage of dieselness uh and then you you mix that that with a solomon and then now a plat and i'm just like what like what is that what has that been like and what is what effect has it had on you yeah, man. Uh, yeah, it's been great. Um, I think, yeah, Lon Solomon and David Platt are radically different in their approach to preaching. <laughs> <laughs> and then before them, everything I know about preaching, you know, growing up uh, was from my folks and, and the church that I grew up in. So um, I would say with, with Lon, I think you're right. I mean, Lon is a sniper shot in the pulpit. He is, I mean, he is, he can say more in 29 and a half minutes, um, radio ready, you know, uh, than most preachers that, that I know. Um, and he's very, very focused on, on clarity and, um, just kind of bringing it down to, you know, his big thing was, so what, what does this have to do with my day-to-day life? And that was very explicit in his sermons. Um, and Platt is, uh, I think he shares that in terms of his commitment to clarity, reaching the loss, but Platt is also um, really trying to increase biblical literacy. Um, and so and if you hear his preaching, he's going to do a lot more cross-references. His sermons are going to be a little bit longer. He's going to take you on a little bit deeper dive in terms of theology. And so they both share some of the same aims. But I think Platt also is trying to combat um, just a broader lack of awareness and knowledge of Scripture and how it all fits together. So... Um, I think the thing that has shaped me between the two of them is just an urgency um, to make sure that the gospel is clear and that we're uh, challenging people in compelling ways um, to turn from their sin and trust Jesus. Um, So they both kind of beat that into me. Um, I think with Platt, one of the influences that he's had on me is just this very core passion um, to see the gospel go to the nation. So Platt, one of his things is preach the word in the context of the world. And to be honest, mm-hmm. that wasn't a huge part of my upbringing. Um, and it wasn't a, a huge kind of part of the DNA of our church before Platt came. And so I think I've grown in that as a leader, as a preacher, really as a Christian, 
is uh, even in my illustrations and just the way I think, um, how does this passage, how would this passage fit somewhere else in the world? And how uh, should this motivate people to care about what is happening around the world? So, man, I've, I've been blessed, man, to, to learn from some giants in the pulpit. Man, that's incredible. Love that. All right. I'm going to move us into question one. And you, you already said, you know, David, a little bit to, um, as an answer to this one. But who are you currently learning from? Man, a ton of people. I think one of the uh, folks I'm, I've been learning from uh, most recently is a guy named Rory Vaden. And uh, he wrote a book called Procrastinate on Purpose. And uh, his book, man, has just been uh, just super impactful for me personally. And it kind of dovetails a little bit with what's happening in our church, too. But uh, I think from him, man, he just has this kind of, it's not original to him, I'm sure, but uh, just this concept of multiplying your time. And I think of everything in his book, the thing I've been processing the most and trying to apply, he talks about how, you know, he's kind of pulling from some Stephen Covey stuff about, you know, that urgency, important uh, importance matrix. Um, and he says um, like, I'm, I'm aware of that quadrant. Yeah. Um, and he says urgency is how soon does something matter? Importance is how much does something matter? But Roy Vaden, and I don't know where he's getting it from, but he's the first person I've heard really talk about it. He talks about this making the significance calculation. And so not just how soon or how much does it matter, but how long is this going to matter? And so mm-hmm. that's just been really helpful for me um, in my own personal life. we got three young kids, a lot of transition that happened uh, in the church. Um, and so just trying to focus and on the things that are going to really matter in the long run and, and have like high impact potential for our long-term goals. So I've just been learning a lot from, from his book and uh, that's been great. Um, another person is Dr. Christina Edmondson. Um, she is one third of the podcast Truth Table. And uh, I was just at a conference recently, Just Gospel Conference that a ministry called The Front Porch um, put on. And she just gave a message on polarization in our culture and in our churches. Mm. And man, yeah, it is just, I literally have been just sitting with those notes. And I mean, I've been a fan of her for a long time and the podcast that she's on, but that particular message, you know, has just been really rich and helpful for me, especially I think as we get ready to turn the corner into just 2020 election season. Um, I just yeah. thought she had a lot of, a lot of wisdom there. So, I mean, those are two people, obviously David Platt, we talked about him and, and, um, yeah. So those are a couple of folks I've been paying attention to lately. Yeah, that's good. That's good. No, Michael, the, the second question, uh, I'm sure you have thoughts already prepared through this, but I'd love for you to address, um, one aspect that I'm thinking through right now. So I'll say the question and then I'll share what I'm thinking about. The question is, what is the main point of emphasis right now for your leadership team, for you right now? So I know, I mean, when Lon was at McLean, you were a part of the teaching team. Yeah. Yep. So, and so you've been doing that and simultaneously you've been serving as a campus pastor. So for you, I mean, there are churches all over Uh, all over the world, but particularly in North America, where a lot of boomer pastors are retiring or about to retire. So, I mean, you are, I mean, you are amazing in the pulpit, a fantastic leader. So how do you then, uh, on the one hand, 
how how did you work through the fact that a new lead pastor came in and you now needed to figure out, Hey, am I still like, like what is my role here? And, and, you know, just navigating. So give us some advice about that and also talk about the way that you're leading your team. Yeah. I mean, that's good. I mean, it helped that it was David Platt. (laughs) I mean, I've just been, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I mean, I've been uh, a fan and I say that in, you know, a respectful, godly way. Like I, I, I legit have, I mean, he's just shaped, my life through his preaching from a distance for a long time now. And honestly, when we, we, when we first um, connected with him and began a relationship and it was outside the context of succession, it was just, we invited him to preach and we got to hang out. Uh, I was just struck by, I mean, my man is the real deal. And, and uh, just Mm -hmm. as a dude, as a person, um, as a godly man. So um, when that whole conversation came up and, and, and it seemed pretty clear that the Lord was, um, uh, having him, uh, step into Lon's role, I'll be honest, it was pretty easy. And a lot of that had to do, I think with how David led, um, just his humility. And, uh, and I think his, he's not intimidated by other people on our staff and on our team who have gifts and have been, um, there at the church for a long time. He's just not intimidated by that. He's super humble about it. And he really is a collaborative leader. And so I haven't felt, and, and I would say this to uh, maybe some folks who are, have been in leadership for a long time and are, are, are preparing to transition um, in terms of what to look for in a successor, but also the folks that are, that are succeeding longtime leaders I would say one of the things uh, for for David Platt was um, he came in wanting to collaborate with the people who have deep roots and a lot of leadership influence in the church. And it wasn't just political. It was legit like, hey, let's lead this church together. So that made it easy, you know, easy for me. And I'm still I still get to preach. I still get to lead at a high level. Um, but I also get to do ministry with and learn from, I think, one of the most effective preachers and just leaders of our generation. Um, I think outside of that, in terms of what uh, one main point of emphasis for our leadership right now um, is, is probably simplify and focus. I mean, we're saying that over and over again right now is trying to simplify our, our ministry strategy and focus on just the things that are most essential to accomplishing our mission. That's, that's big for us right now. That's really good. That's really, do you want to, is there a particular area of ministry that you're focusing in on more than others uh, when it comes to the simple? Yeah, probably it would be like discipleship. And, um, and we have been uh, just talking through a lot of, a lot of the language that y'all use that we've learned from y'all, you know, like menu to map and, uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we've been trying to say we have historically been a church that has offered this menu of ministry services tailor-made to every demographic and need. Um, but I think long-term, I think that catches up to you. And I mean, and not to knock it. I mean, obviously God has been blessing it. A lot of people will use that strategy. We found that long-term, I think there's kind of diminishing returns on that. And, uh, and then there, there's just a lot of sideways energy. So we're in the process now specifically in our mission is to glorify God by making disciples and multiplying churches among all nations beginning here in the DC area. And so we're trying to, 
um, let's comb through our discipleship strategy and focus on the stuff that equips our people to make disciples and multiply churches. Um, so that's, that's what we've been focusing on. I love that. It's close to my heart. Yeah, man. It's close to my heart as well. I mean, especially when it comes to the context of, of McLean. I mean, you know, as Mike sitting here, we, you know, every church, uh, I, tell me this, uh, for the, not tell me this, I'm, cause I'm asking all of our listeners to think about this. If you've served in multiple churches at some point in time or another, you have gone through a filing cabinet or a drawer or, you know, you've walked into a place and you've seen something hanging up on the wall that you hadn't really noticed before. And it is a system or a process or a discipleship plan or it's some program that was there prior to you. And you're like, huh, this is really interesting or this was good. Why did they ever stop doing this? This is hmm. pretty good. So, um, you know, if you heard me, uh, I had a couple of audible things there as he was talking, so I apologize. But there's some stuff, there's some of that language that actually came out of McLean, and it was used at McLean at one time. And then to go back, and um, and I remember, you know, walking through there, and there were people that, that had been there prior to me that had done amazing things. And you, you pull out of a filing cabinet, and you look, oh, what is the log uh, you know, like what is the, there was a log, um, log college. And then there was another thing, um, that, uh, a guy named Ron Johnson did. And there was another thing that another, you know, some other guy did. And you go back and you see some of those things and you're like, wow, this was really good. And so it's just a, it's a really healthy reminder that at the end of the day, uh, when we talk about what really matters in church is, it's people and moving people along in their discipleship yeah, and making sure that whatever the day is, whatever the, and I dare say flavor of the day, cause that sounds awful um, and very consumeristic. And that's the last thing we want to be, but what are we doing now to move people along? I don't care what you call it or if it's old or if it's new or if it's something old that you've made it new again if it aligns with a purpose of creating disciples who make disciples who make disciples, uh, then man, get to it. And anything else that is has was once designed to do that and is now out of alignment with that, get rid of it. Either get it in line or get rid of it. And so as I'm as I'm listening here to a person and about a church that's very near and dear to my heart, that's just my Got. And now I will ask question three, Daniel. <laughs> Daniel's just looking at me like, no, it's good. Your... No, I want to add more, but we should get to question three. <laughs> okay, question three. Uh, so other than uh, reading uh, the Bible, practicing daily spiritual disciplines, what are what are one or two things that you can do that you ne- find you have to do every day to uh, stay sharp as a leader? Yeah, I mean, I would... Uh... You said other than spiritual disciplines. I mean, I think, so one of them I would say is quiet time. And I don't just mean that in the typical Christian way, prayer, Bible reading, that's very important. I, I mean, more broadly though, I think one of the things I'm learning and, and just finding that I have to have every day is literally just some quiet time. Just 
stopping and having enough time alone to get clarity for leadership decisions, um, just to process in my own mind and prepare, you know, before I'm stepping into a meeting or so. So that's just one thing every day is just some time built into the day where everything is just still and I can collect my thoughts. And that might seem super elementary and like a no brainer. I found though that especially here in the DC area, man, we just run a hundred miles an hour and we just run from one thing to the next to the next. Um, and I just found, man, sometimes you gotta, you gotta stop and, and kind of sharpen your thoughts and, 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 and get your heart kind of ready, um, so that you can be more effective kind of stepping back in. So that's just one thing, one thing for me. I mean, practically, obviously that looks like I think in the mornings or late at night, getting that time, but also in between meetings, even if it's just sitting in the car for five minutes, just to sit for a minute and, uh, make sure that I'm bringing my A game into whatever, whether that's a counseling meeting, a a leadership meeting, strategy meeting, whatever it is. So that's, that's one thing I try to do every day. Um, I think also just either reading something or listening to something. I listen to y'all's podcast. I listen to Carrie Newoff's podcast on leadership. Um, uh, yeah, just, just, I try to interact every day with something that just prompts some thinking in my mind as it relates to uh, leadership, pastoral ministry, preaching. Um, so those are two things for me. That's good. That's good. Now, um, when it comes to the quiet time, do you, do you often do that, uh, at one time during the day or do you find that you're doing that before meetings and throughout the day as well? Ideally it would be both. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a tough season right now. We have three kids, eight, five and two, and, um, it's a little crazy. Um, but, uh, ideally it's, it's both. And I try to get that in. So I try to have just a set kind of longer time of, and that's more your typical kind of in the word. Um, we're in a Bible reading plan as a church together. So in the word, praying, reflecting, meditating on scripture in that way. Um, but I, I'm talking more about, uh, in addition to that recalibrating throughout the day. Um, so literally yeah, okay. like not just scheduling on top of meetings on top of each other, but having five minutes, 10 minutes before I step into the next meeting to just have a moment of quiet where I'm thinking through what is my actual goal for this meeting? You know, uh, hopefully that's defined, you know, before it's actually scheduled, but just reminding myself, what am I actually trying to accomplish in this meeting? Or if it's a counseling session, what is going to be most encouraging? What is the thing that really needs to be said to this person? Um, so just throughout the day, I just found that's just a helpful practice for me to be sharp. I love that. I love that because it's so easy, especially if you're doing a lot of the same thing over and over again. And the longer you're in pastoral ministry, you could just phone it in, right? It's like, well, I, I know what I, I know what I'm doing. I've done this a lot of times, but to take that quiet time moment by moment, um, even every Sunday, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll preach a couple times a month as a teaching pastor at my church. And I'm always like, even when I do workshops and any, any time I'm presenting anything, I'm always like, God, here it is. If there's anything else you want me to share, or if there's anywhere that you want me to detour off of this, just help me be aware, help me be present, help me be sensitive to that. Cause I don't want to just phone it in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's I good, man. Yeah. 
What is okay? So for both of you, actually, um, so I am a guy who you both know pretty well. Um, how does how do people that are uh, like you know? I really embrace the DC culture because I don't like to stop. Yeah, ever. I mean, you know, we've talked about that in the last couple of months on the podcast, uh, especially when we had Stephen Cockermon about I'm addicted to busyness. Yeah. So I find it extremely difficult. I could, you know, put my phone in a drawer and go over and sit sit outside, you know, on a bench uh, and stare at birds. <laughs> I cannot be quiet. Like, I cannot quiet my mind. It will not be quiet. How do you really maintain a quietness? Because even when I am prayerful, um, I feel like I come right out of the prayer and I'm like, I'm listening, Lord. And man, within 10 seconds, mm. something else is something else is on and going so yeah. how do you actually practice that michael i'll let you go first yeah i mean I, i'm like utah uh and i i would say one of the, the number one characteristics of dc is what you just said addicted to busyness um and so it's just the nature of the industry here the culture and that's in me being from this area um I think for me, one of the things I found is sometimes we short circuit the process because it's hard. And so, you know, after a few times of, of trying to, to slow my mind down and focus and be distracted, it's like, ah, I'm just not wired that way. So for me, I think one of the things is just long game, like sticking with it. Um, and over time, it's like trying to eat healthier or exercise, neither of which I do. Um, but I've heard, uh, that it gets easier and more natural over time. But, um, so I think one thing is just knowing and being convinced that you need that time of stillness and whether it's just in the word prayer or, or just thinking, <laughs> you know what I mean? And thinking your way to clarity. Um, and one of the reasons I'm convinced of it honestly is because, I've just seen how I am not as effective, no matter how I feel like I'm wired, no matter how this area moves, I'm just not as effective off the cuff. I feel like I am because I can talk, you know, and say a whole bunch of things, but, um, but I've just seen like, nah, it's, it's, it's much better. I'm much sharper. I'm much more concise and, and, and pointed in my effectiveness. If I actually take a moment to think, and let and, and and bring myself to a level of just clarity about whatever it is I'm stepping into. So I think one of them is just being convinced that you need it. Um, yeah. I don't know what you say, Daniel. Yeah, there that's, that's really good. I think it definitely does start there. Um, start in the, just knowing why, I mean, even seeing how other people have, how previous Christian leaders have flamed out or maybe the practices of ones that have finished well, and knowing the importance in all of that, uh, in quieting down in, you know, particular, some of those spiritual disciplines, but you know what, I think especially today 
with it being so busy and you know, I mean, what CS Lewis said, I mean, he was like, Hey, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Mm-hmm. So the whole busyness, I mean, I, I feel like our call, it's so easy to fall into that. So there are two things that I do in particular. One if it is on the go, oh, I mean, honestly, just taking a minute and just just stopping, closing your eyes a minute, maybe, you know, probably in the office or, or maybe in your car right before you get out and go to another meeting. And sometimes I find if I have so many things going, running through my mind, you know, you'll just kind of do this. And this is what the spiritual fathers often did. They did these breath prayers, right? So breathing in, it's like, you know, you know, Jesus, son of God, and then you breathe out, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. And just simple prayers like that. I find it's not doing nothing because I think, especially when your brain is running so fast, mm-hmm. it's so easy to think about everything else that needs to be yeah. done. But if you're actively just saying the same thing over and over again, and it really is this breath prayer and it doesn't have to be for like an hour. I think that's the fear, but even just doing that for a minute, I find helps significantly. So that's, I'll do occasionally the thing that I do more often. And this is something that I've counseled a lot of people in. Uh, it's, it's a exercise I learned called palms down, palms up. And I do this quite often. Anytime I feel overwhelmed when there's just so much, when one thing after another is just being piled on top of me, I'll just take a moment while I'll just go palms down and I'll give everything to God, like everything that is on my mind. So, so tonight, God, I give you the fact that there's a piano recital for my girls Mm. tonight and I have to do, but I have to do this, 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 and this, uh, Lord, I give you tomorrow. My son's graduation is after school, right? Lord, I give you that. I give you the fact that my, uh, Christina's grandfather just passed away and all the rearranging that needs to happen for that. So every single thing that is on my mind that comes to mind, I will actually just actively palms down, give it up to God, just call it out. And then when I'm done, I'll actually flip my hands up and I'll go palms up and I'll ask God, Lord, please fill me with, and I'll run through, I mean, any of the promises of the scriptures. And I, and I often start with the, the fruit of the spirit, right? So, So I was like, Lord, I ask that you would fill me with your love. I ask that you would fill me with joy, right? And then just, I I find that doing that, and I often end up having to do that a few times a month, depending on the stress levels and depending on what's going on. But I find that that often helps the quieting down and the centering. In addition to reading the word on a daily basis and praying in other instances, yeah. I think uh, two two things too, man. One thing for me is uh, I use, this is just super practical. Um, I use um, the day one journaling app um, and it helps me. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, it's a great app. You got to pay for it. But um, for me, it's been very helpful because it syncs across all your devices so not only do I use it, you know, in the morning or late at night when I'm just spending time with the Lord, reading the Bible, whatever, but because it's also on my phone, I, I use it for like five minutes, you know, uh, throughout, uh, throughout the day. And so just to stop, I'm just thinking about mm-hmm. Psalm 62, um, where it says, uh, trust the Lord at all times and pour out your hearts, literally just pouring out my mm-hmm. heart, just stopping for a minute to just write in that app. You don't have to use the app. You can do whatever you want to do, but just to pour out my heart to God. And for me, it helps to write that down just to say, here's what is, here's my anxieties. Here's, here's where I'm needing wisdom. Here's the meetings I have coming up. Here's the conversation I'm getting ready to have. 
and that just helps me slow down and, and focus. Um, and then I also do something similar to what you said, Daniel, every morning, um, I pray, uh, based on Ephesians five, talking about being filled with the spirit. Um, I pray Holy spirit, I give you control today. And I just go through different um, parts of just my being. So God, I give you control of my will. And I think through what are the decisions mm. I have to make today? God, not my will, but your will be done. I want to submit to your will. I give you control of my thoughts. I give you control of my attitude. I give you control of my words. And then I, I also say, I give you control of my body. Um, and so I just use those five categories to say, Holy spirit, I give you control today in this specific area. And I just let that kind of direct my prayer. And that's been very helpful for me. Yeah, that's good. And then, and then it's go, 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 go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Until I run out of gas. (laughs) Pretty much. Yes. (laughs) All right. Well, before we get into the next question, let's just hear a quick word from our sponsor. As a church leader, you know how tough marriage can be. There's never enough time to help every couple. There's not enough resources to go around and we often don't feel like marriage experts. That's why we want to tell you about Woo Marriage, a brand new tool from Lifeway that provides Christ-centered marriage coaching for every couple in your church. Backed by research and design with your church in mind, Woo Marriage provides a plan for your marriage ministry with video courses for all seasons of marriage. There are courses for communication, managing finances, handling conflict, and the best part is that it's easy. With one click, you can assign courses and start coaching. So whether you need to prepare couples for marriage, strengthen marriages, or restore relationships, you'll have an affordable, flexible plan right at your fingertips. Try it free for one month with offer code leadership at checkout. That's offer code leadership at woomarriage.com slash free trial. Now back to the episode. All right, Mike, what does leadership in your home look like? So tell us the age of your kids, how long you've been married for and, and the leader and what leadership in your home looks like. Yeah, I've been married for uh, 10 years this past October to Ashley. And, um, and then we have three kids, an eight year old girl, um, and then two boys, five and two. And, uh, so we're in a, just a sweet, I think, season of life right now, uh, an exhausting season of life. But, um, in terms of leadership in the home, uh, honestly, uh, I, I didn't do a great job in this previous season. Um, I just finished up my MDiv and, uh, man, we've just had so much transition at the church and man, to be a hundred percent honest, I, I mean, I, I feel like I, I ran my wife into the ground last year. Um, we just, I, I was not aware of, I just literally like, it, it was crazy because if you were to ask me, how are y'all doing? I would have been like, we're good. I mean, literally that's happened. <laughs> like I've been like, mm-hmm. we're good. And then she, then she would answer and then start crying. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just so, I was moving so fast that and, and relationally, we kind of need different things. So I just wasn't aware. And so, uh, man, we've turned a corner. Uh, like I said, I finished up my MDiv. And so one of the ways that I'm leading my family right now in this season, which has been great, is, uh, man, I've just been trying to redirect my discretionary time and energy to blessing my wife. Mm, that's um, good. This is a, a, a major, it's like, I, I just got like a windfall of time and energy. And while I've had kind of a season of being able to make some different decisions in terms of how I use my time and energy, 
I've just been trying to direct it toward her. So right now, like I handle the morning routine um, with our kids. Um, I handle bath time. Um, I've been trying to, if I do have, and I don't have a ton of responsibilities in the evenings, but I try to go home first. Thankfully, we live close enough where I can do that. And I just do baths and I help, yeah. you know, uh, not cook dinner, but at least uh, feed the kids uh, dinner um, because they would not want food that I, that I would cook. Um, and so I've just been trying to honestly just focus and redirect my discretionary time and energy to blessing her. And I've told her I want to do that. Um, and I think she would say I've been doing that pretty well over this last year. Um, we're in a cool season too, just with my daughter who's eight. And so being able to have a lot more in depth, pointed spiritual conversations with her. Um, and so we've been, uh, my wife, uh, is a missions director at a school here and the two boys go to that school. So, uh, my daughter and I have like an hour before she has to go to school. And so we, we've had her on our, the Bible reading plan we're doing as a church. And so she and I have had some just really sweet um, conversations. And when you are doing a Bible reading plan through the Old Testament, she's going to have some questions <laughs> when, when, when we get into <laughs> the book of Judges and some stuff like that. And so no that's been pretty dope to, to, have, to have that with her too. So, th- I mean, those are just a couple ways right now in this season. It's been a really sweet time for us, but, but coming off of, I think, a very exhausting uh yeah, a, a, a pretty difficult time. Yeah, that's Mike. That's huge because, yeah, I mean, we've interacted a few times here and there, but just given the fact, um, or just given the fact that we all love running hard and and doing and and getting a lot of stuff done, it would have been so easy for you to finish the degree and with the 10, 15 hours a week that it takes to replace it with something else. But you're a good man to know that, um, you know, in, in giving that time and investing that time into your marriage. And, you know, I feel like sometimes when we get to the end of our busy seasons, uh, we're overdrawn on our bank accounts, right? It's like, yeah. uh, you're, you're getting down, you're getting slim. Things are still, you know, things are rocking, teetering. You're like, everything's not falling apart yet, but man, everyone's just waiting for the season to be done. And then for you to just realize, Hey, I need to switch gears and I need to invest into this. I mean, that's, that's what it means to, to look at the long tail and look at the long run of all the, all, all these things. Yeah, man. And my wife has been a trooper too. And I, I, we, I had another friend who's a pastor's wife and she said something that struck me. She said, especially for pastor's wives, usually by the time they tell you they really need you, like they've already like gone over the edge because they so value Jesus and ministry. By the time they actually say, I need you to slow down. I need more help. By the time they actually articulate that, I mean, they've, they've already been, been tapped out. And so, um, that was just a humbling, hard season to hear some of those things from my wife. And so, man, I am not, I, I can't say I'm getting an A plus, um, but I'm striving, man. And, uh, I think if, if my wife was on here, she would, she would agree just to, to restructure and, and, and redirect, um, during this season. So, and it's fun. It's fun. It's fun bringing a smile to her face. It's fun helping her to flourish. And I think when we do that, um, man, God will honor that. And I think we've been experiencing that in this season. 
Well, I would, I'm going to add two things because I, you know, knowing them uh, and knowing them for a while, you know, Ashley is not a um, meek, weak, uh, like, no. I want people to understand that are listening. They have no idea. This woman is diesel. Yeah, she's a she's a monster. <laughs> I mean, diesel. So the the interesting thing. Uh, so I want to give that context. The other context is, you know, it, it is over the course of time because you've been pursuing that MDiv for for a long time. Yeah. So. You know, you're first pursuing an MDiv and you've got one kid or no kids, and then you add another kid. Yeah. And then you add another kid. And, you know, kids start to go to preschool or get into, you know, elementary school. And then there's other activities and there's all these things. We can very quickly slip into a place where, you know, is is really dangerous and unhealthy because— yeah. You know, it just kind of drifted in that direction over course over the course of time where we are, you know, this busy and maybe um, haven't taken an opportunity to intentionally weigh everything that is in our life and everything that is in our calendar properly. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's different seasons of life. When you yeah, don't have kids, true. there's a lot you can do. Yeah. Um, there's a lot you can eat. There's a lot of places. <laughs> Yeah, yeah man. When you have six children, whatever. Okay, never mind. All right. Um, I'm going to ask our last question, which is, uh, how do you prepare your 20-year-old self, not prepare your 20-year-old self, how would you tell your 20-year-old self uh, to prepare to lead? Oh, man. That's a, a really good question. What would you tell him? Yeah. Oh, uh, I think one, man, is um, – and I'm really, I'm not trying to just give like the standard Sunday school answer, but it's just true for me personally. I would say, man, your intimacy with God is, is your highest priority. Um, and the reason I say that is because, so I have on my phone and I have for, I don't know how many years now, I have a reminder that goes off of my phone every Sunday morning. Um, and it's, um, it's Matthew six verse four, which is repeated over and over again in Matthew six. But he says, your, uh, Jesus says, your father who sees in secret will reward you. And it's just a reminder to me that like my highest priority, the most important thing about me is my intimacy with God, my character before him. And I think when I was 20 and, and you're just kind of hustling and, and, and leadership and, and trying, you just don't you hear that all the time. You don't really believe it a lot of times, especially if you haven't had it modeled for you. Um, And even if you do kind of believe it, you just can't really know how important that is because that intimacy with God, it not only kind of keeps you grounded, but it actually makes you more effective um, Mm -hmm. in leadership. So I wish I could go back and just say, don't skimp on that. That, that needs to be a muscle memory for you by the time you're 35, 37. You need to, that needs to be a non-negotiable practice that you've cultivated over years um, because it really sets you up in the long run. Um, I also think, man, and specifically for those listening that are in pastoral ministry, um, man, just master the basics. Uh, master the basics, like real one-on-one level stuff, like evangelism, disciple making like who are you actively discipling now if you're 20 or you're 25 what high school student what college student 
are you actively discipling now? Um, because it's just like, I feel like in sports, like you, you, if you don't master the basics, you might have a beast crossover. You might think you're Steph Curry and you can like just drop threes from everywhere. If you don't master the basics, it, it catches up to you. Um, and, uh, so I would just say we, especially in a social media age, like we're so tempted to focus on excelling in like my IG profile is lit and I'm doing all of this cool stuff, um, that's building a platform. Uh, but I, I think, man, if you don't, if you're, if you don't know how to share the gospel, if you don't know how to, how to take somebody who is not as far along as you and help them become more like Jesus really practically, mm -hmm. like in the mess of their life, like those really basic things, um, your strengths in those areas get multiplied later on your weaknesses in, in those areas get multiplied later on. So I would say really use this season to maximize some of those basics. Dude, man, that's so good. That's so good. I, I, I especially love your Instagram reference there too, because it's so <laughs> easy to, especially when we're comparing, um, it's it's just so easy to compare, just to compare ourselves yeah. with others out there. And yeah, even when they're like, oh, look at my beautifully taken picture of my coffee and my Bible. And, and you're like, do you spend more time send that up than <laughs> spending time yeah, in the yeah, word? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so making no, sure that that's, things, yeah. One of the things I appreciate about Mike actually is if you look at, if you look at his Facebook, you're going to see a blend of fun, you know, fun or family or whatever, but it's also going to be, hey, there might be some uh, politics a little bit. Uh, there's going to be definitely some, some church stuff. There's going to be a blend of who he is, but a big thing you're also going to see is an authentically lived life, um, in biblical community. So you're going to, mm -hmm. you're going to see him interacting with people from his group or pictures of his group together or whatever stories shared from that or prayer requests or whatever it is. And so that's one of the things that um, on the rare occasions that I'm on the Facebooks these days, uh, that's what one of the things I've always appreciated about Dude, Mike. we're not talking about Facebook. I know you're talking about <laughs> IG. <laughs> I get that, dude. But I'm, I'm just, just saying the like most it. recent thing was my wife is like, hey, look at this. Hey, look at that. And because she like basically filters. Uh, she's 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 yeah. good to bring me the stuff from uh, our friends that I actually need to pay attention to. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Mike, it's been so good to have you on the podcast. Man, it was great to, to be able to hang out with you guys. I appreciate what you do. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Where's the best place for people to find you online and, and connect with you if, if, if they want to learn more? Uh, at Mike Kelsey, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Mike Kelsey on Facebook. Um, and then obviously through just uh, McLean Bible Church, um, our website there. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Have you listened to the Making Disciples podcast with Robbie Gowdy and Chris Swain recently? You know, as a part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network family, They've recently covered topics like church ministry silos, why your evangelism is not leading to discipleship, and getting your leadership to buy into disciple making. So follow them on your favorite podcasting app and subscribe today. We'll catch you guys next time.